Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. There aren't any words to describe what happened. Honestly, this isn't a job for words. You could try staring directly into the sun for about 10 years while someone pours oatmeal into your eyes through a funnel. To be clear, that's not what this felt like, but that might open your senses to a degree of perception that would allow the inference of the idea to exist in your mind. However, we don't really have time for that, so I'll give language a shot and do the best I can. I found myself falling off of the face of the world. Like my mind had been a one-dimensional cup of coffee, stretched out and remastered into 3D, played backwards on a network of computers that could only be used by beings with eyes that could see in reverse. My coffee, the thoughts, spilled out all over the table. There's a table in this situation, right next to the bowl of fruit. Time was slowed down for me. I could control it. I could make it stop if I wanted to, and yet... I was acutely aware that the time flow for everyone else and everything else was still going on. While that might seem like, for all intents and purposes, like time was still moving normally for me as well, I can assure you that time was... Shit, where was I? I looked around me and I realized that I'd slipped out of my body long ago. I'd forgotten it back at the gas station, in a closet, surrounded by swarms of... Dick gnats, and I'd, I left my wallet and keys and phone on my body, so I was truly naked now, in the most literal and metaphysical way possible. I was somewhere inside of an infinity, and my brain was somewhere inside another infinity, and my body was somewhere inside a different infinity, and in some ways, I was infinity. I felt the universe's cruel love and understood that I was just a molecule and an expanding star. The world didn't need me. I could live and exist amongst the cosmos, forever. There was a gorgeous shining light and I was part of it. All the pain my mortal body had ever endured was so small in comparison to forever. I was at peace. The whole stupid scary gas station thing was dumb anyway. Hey, maybe in the next life I could be a bat. Some bats eat fruit, right? I could do that. Sleep all day, eat berries all night, fly in a group with friends, live forever, solve mysteries, ride roller coasters. Bats ride roller coasters, don't they? If not, they will. I just need to rearrange the reality slightly and I could do and be anything I want. I felt a shock. The universe pushed me back against my absurd attempt to interact with the melody. Th the song was already in motion. I couldn't change it. Only listen and enjoy. They're close enough. I settled in to ride the wave. To see what the storyteller had in store for- Jerry smacked me across the face! Dude! Snap out of it! We got shit to do! <laughs> what? I was back at the gas station supply room, sitting in the corner and drooling all over myself. How long had I been gone? Where exactly had I gone to? Yen knelt in front of me and shined the red flashlight into my eyes. His pupils are dilated, she announced. Did you hit your head? Yeah, probably. This could be a sign of traumatic brain injury. We need to get out of here and find a hospital. Nah, Jerry interrupted. Just the drugs finally kicking in. I sat up and the entire world sloshed into place after me. The room had some momentary lag to it. And strangely enough, I could see everything as clear as ever. 
What drugs? I asked. Okay, so promise me you won't get mad. I will not promise that. Okay, well, if you promise you won't get mad, I'll tell you. Remember how I requested to work tonight? Well, the reason was because I needed someone responsible, like you, to be here in case things got heavy. You know, because I trust you to make sure that I'm safe and not call the cops if I have a bad trip. The world finally snapped into place around me. Everything was back to normal, except for the fact that I could suddenly see everybody's aura. Looking back, that seems rather strange, but at the moment, it felt perfectly inconsequential. What did you do? I asked him. Jerry's aura was a strange kind of sunny yellow and pink, swirling with vibrant energy. It was a controlled chaos, like a Picasso painting in a blender. Well, you know, a Halloween is sacred to me. I wanted to make sure I did something special for it. So, I made some hallucinogenic tea. And I may have been uh, microdosing for the last few days to optimize my high. I thought it would let me see some other worlds, but for the most part, it just showed me truths about how tiny we are in the universe. I know, right? I said with excitement before snapping out of the spell. Wait, what? Okay. What was in that flask you gave me? Oh, it's a special homebrew. There's a few different ingredients, primarily. He mumbled a couple of words under his breath, and his aura shifted to purple and baby blue. He didn't want me to know. Come again? He couldn't look at me. I said, uh, primarily, ayahuasca and peyote. Lucy let out a loud, inappropriate, ha! Yen gave her a disapproving mom face, but Lucy shrugged. What? That's actually funny. You know, in a we're all gonna die, but at least you're high kind of way. Her aura was bright orange and fire red. Yen was cool blue and wavy. I prefer we find a way out of this where nobody else has to die. My tongue felt funny. I don't know a lot about recreational drugs. Jerry seemed almost offended by my choice of words. His aura made a frowny face as he explained, These are not recreational, they're spiritual, uh, medicinal. Native Americans use peyote to treat influenza, snake, and uh, scorpion bites, even blindness, because it helps you see out, out of more than just your eyes. Yen nodded. Actually, he's not completely wrong. Ayahuasca has been used for ages by indigenous people to combat tropical parasites. Lucy said, great, so we actually dumb-lucked our way into an antidote for zombieism. Yen was quick to distance herself from where this conversation was headed. Wait, we're not honestly saying that Bart is some kind of... reanimated corpse. That's absolutely absurd. He must have simply had a weak pulse that I couldn't detect. The blood loss probably left him confused and disoriented, and that brain injury from the sword must have been what caused him to break the glass in an effort to get away. There's a perfectly normal explanation for everything that happened tonight. How annoyingly rational of her. Lucy scrunched up her nose. You might be right, but I've seen enough weird stuff in my life to know that monsters are real. I don't suppose you guys have any more of that stuff, do you? Alas, Jerry answered. Jack Power chugged it like he was a freshman at a rush week. Sorry. Not as sorry as you're gonna be. There's a fuse before that stuff hits all at once. And if you're not used to the effects, well... You might find yourself falling in and out of corporality. That's normal. If you end up in the other place, look for the Mescalito spirit to be your guide. He doesn't always appear to first-timers, but considering how much tea you drank, I think he'll pretty much have to show. I nearly jumped out of my skin when we heard the sound of knocking at the door, and with those drugs coursing through my veins, such a thing felt very possible. Who is it? Jerry said in a strange, high-pitched voice. Open the door, blasted Owen. 
or at least something using Owen's voice. Yun jumped from the door, but Lucy snatched her by the wrist with both hands and stopped her. Let go, she said. Owen's out there in that mess. The voice on the other side of the door was desperate. Come on, let me in. These things are everywhere. I can barely breathe. He started coughing loudly, convincingly, then continued. Please, I'm hurt. I'm bleeding really badly. You have to open up. Yen shook her hand free from Lucy's grasp and said, We have to let him in. He'll die out there. I know he's a shitty person, but he doesn't deserve this. Poor aura was glowing white hot, but something else was drowning it out. I could see the aura of whatever was standing on the other side of the door, and it was monstrous, hungry, and angry. It was shaped like a human, but it radiated an unholy energy. And now I understood. This, this must have been what Jerry saw when he looked at Abram. It acted human. Presented human. But it wasn't. Hey, I said, pulling myself to my feet. That's not Owen. If you open that door, we're all screwed. Her aura went red the moment that she made up her mind. I knew what was coming, but I didn't have time to stop it. You're all crazy. With that, she lunged forward and slid open the lock. The door swung open immediately, and the thing, the vessel, that had once been Owen stepped inside our room. His face was covered in lines of green dots, racing around and over one another, crawling in and out of his holes where his nose and eyes used to be. His once handsome face was now skeletal caverns for highways of insects, wearing away to the bone as the mobilesque army of infant mayflies took millions of tiny bites. He lifted his hands, one of which had been degloved at the wrist where the zip tie had held him in place. His fingers caught Yen by the throat and squeezed her screams into silence. They both went down. Yen hit her back against the floor. The thing landed on top of her, still squeezing. Its jaw opened as a pair of long, thin appendages reached out, dangling from the other side of his teeth, inches above his face. The swarm of insects invaded the room. Jerry launched onto Owen's back. Lucy grabbed the flashlight and broke it against Owen's face. The thing released its grip on Yen long enough to grab the other two and throw them into the hallway. And when it turned back to its victim, the queen was already halfway removed from Owen's mouth. Its eyes stared at the poor woman, crying in front of it, its fishbone legs scratching the the skin of Owen's mouth away in chunks like it like it couldn't wait to free itself and suddenly they were far away or I was far away no 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 not now keep it together Jack you can trip later they need you the room was gone I was standing outside cold wet air blew against my face filling my nostrils with the smell of wood smoke and sand the sky above me was filled with crisp stars reaching all the way down to the horizon on all sides. The earth beneath me was brown. Nearby a fire crackled, inviting me over. But the the queen thing, if it, it was about to crawl inside a yen. I slowly turned around a full 360 degrees. There was no yen here, no millipede, no gas station. This felt just as real as anything. Maybe I had hallucinated the whole thing. Maybe, maybe I'd never even worked at a gas station. Maybe I just came out here to do some drugs and now I couldn't remember which side of the dream I started out on. I walked over to the fire. Not like I had much choice. My only options were A, approach the fire, or B, don't approach the fire. I had already tried B without any success. The bonfire was only three logs big, but put off enough heat that I could feel it from ten feet away. As soon as I was close enough to enter its bubble of warmth, I heard the man standing next to me. Yo, you're finally here, Jack. He was taller than me, by a couple of heads. His skin was lime green, pointy ears, no hair. 
He wore no clothes, and I kept my eyes aimed up at his face, just to stay polite. Hey, I said, doing my best impression of a friendly gas station clerk. Who are you? I'm like your guiding spirit or whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. I'm like your spirit guide or whatever. He had a distinctly surfer bro accent. Not at all what I expected. I mean, I, I didn't expect anything, but especially not this. I'm here to show you how to find the answers you seek, I, I guess. Oh. Okay, well, I was in the middle of something when I got here. Do you think we can rain check this and send me back? I'm pretty sure my body's being eaten by bugs as we speak. Your body is safe, but your mind is torn asunder. The vision waved its green hands as it spoke. It felt slightly overacted, but I was going to be polite. Your thoughts are poison. You bleed memories. Your spiritual injuries go deep. If you do not tend to them first, your body will outlive you, man. I sighed. Okay, fine. How does this work? What's the fastest way to get this all over with? The messy spirit crossed his arms and said, Well, I guess we can dispense with formalities. Great. I hate formalities. Oh, me too, man. All right. Let's get right to it. First, a few ground rules, okay? Number one, no kissing. What? Absolutely no kissing. Understand? Can't even tell you how many times people have tried to make out with me. Like, come on. I'm a primeval spirit of nature, not some booty call. Anyway, number two. If you want to listen to music, his words turned into muted screams as the blade entered his neck. Another figure had appeared out of the darkness, jumped onto the spirit's back and drove a fillet knife into it. The spirit hit the ground as the man removed the knife and stabbed it back in over and over. Black blood sprayed out in every direction as the man turned him into a bloody pincushion. He held the knife handle with two hands and thrust it again and again until the blood wasn't spraying anymore. The man heaved loudly until his breathing returned to normal. Then he plunged the weapon one last time into the spirit's back all the way to the hilt before standing up and dusting himself off. Once again, once done, he looked at me and gave a strange smile. Hey, Jack. Looks like I got this one just in time. You okay? The man looked like Abram, at least mostly anyway. He was a fair amount younger, slightly thinner, and his yellowed beard was almost brown the hell did you do that for? I asked him. What are you talking about? His voice was definitely Abram's. I just saved a damn life. The man looked at the destroyed creature at his feet and doubt crept into his words. Didn't I? No! But really? Looked like he was one of them aliens. Like that one they caught up and hunting those, hunting those goats in the brown farm. I mean, look at him. He's all green. Lots of supernatural things are green. That was a spirit guide. He was supposed to show me how to navigate this plane of existence. Oh, shit. Really? Yes! Abram kicked at the body. Didn't budge. Oh, well, damn. My mistake, Jack. With nothing else to do with our night. We tried digging a hole to bury the body of our deceased spirit guide, but the ground was just too hard, so we gave up almost right away. In the end, we decided to roll the body away and try to ignore it while we sat down by the fire. I had to wonder if anyone had ever killed their spirit guide before. Was there a protocol for this kind of thing? Was I 
going to get in trouble? Jerry would probably know the answer to that. Wherever Jerry was. Which reminded me. I was still trapped in another state of materiality from where I was supposed to be. The young version of Abram pulled a burning twig away from the fire and used it to light a cigarette. How did you even get here? I asked. And what are you, like some kind of ghost or something? Abram laughed. <laughs> Come on, Jack. There ain't no such thing as ghosts. That's debatable. Nah, see, I'm just a vestige of the Mayfly Queen. Thing is, she don't just take over a host. What she does is way more cruel. He took a slow drag before continuing. Evidently, this vestige wasn't in any hurry. And from the look of things, it wouldn't have mattered if he was. We didn't have any real way out of this. The queen, bitch, doesn't do much work for herself. She outsources it all. Makes her host eat for her. Makes it breathe for her. Even had to remember things for her. I suppose to just be a one-way street, but there's a little cross-contamination. Some of my memories stayed inside of her when she made me kill myself. And when your brain gets sloppy seconds, she must have deposited some of Abram's thoughts inside your dome. That's what I am. Oh, I said. That's really gross. But as long as I have you here, maybe we can make the most of it. Is there anything you can tell me about the queen? Any weaknesses? I mean, how do I kill it? Oh, I'm afraid you ain't got much option. At least, all I know is this. Man, don't ask me how I know it. Queen needs a body to stay alive. She can make do with a corpse for a little while. If she can't crawl into a healthy host after about five minutes, she's done. That's why she made me come to the gas station. He closed his eyes and rubbed them. His lips quivered like he was trying to keep from breaking. You okay? She made me do it. I mean, she made me do so many things. I honestly didn't even know why I was doing it. I didn't know why I was infected. Started with weird little stuff. I got all these crazy cravings. I wanted to drink puddle water. I wanted to eat dirt. I just had to live with it. I thought, we all got our fuck-ups, right? And then a couple months back, I started having to collect corpses. Mostly roadkill at first. Then a new urge hit me. I had to start setting traps. I started collecting pets. Ran out of the room in my deep freeze, so I started stocking them up. Whenever they'd fit into my house, I had been sleeping in a hotel for the last week because I couldn't stand the smell any time I went home. Let me tell you, I drive garbage trucks for a living. I tried to think of some way to change the subject. This was horrible. Not exactly useful information. When I couldn't think of anything, I let him continue, hoping he was almost out of steam. Thing inside my brain forced me to fill up the back of my garbage truck with all this rotten meat and drive it out to the gas station where we'd be separated for the rest of town. And she remembered all the times I saw you out there and thought that it'd be safe. No, safe hunting ground. Turn one of you into a new host, turn the others into food. Alongside the meat from the garbage truck. And she spend the next five years laying more eggs. You don't want to If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. I know how she lays her eggs and other people, Jack. It's real nasty. But I couldn't help it. I didn't have no control. So even when she made me take that knife and balled his hands into fists, well, let's say I've 
finally feel like myself again. I looked away from him and stared at the fire. Sucks. I knew what I was going to have to do, and I hated it. It was wrong. Well, the queen needs a healthy host. I'm going to kill it. Only one way to do that. I have to make sure there aren't any healthy hosts left to occupy. Uh, what do you mean? When I get back to the gas station, I'm going to have to kill Yen and Lucy. Clap. 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 I turn to see the naked green giant standing behind us and slowly clapping his hands together. There, you figured it out on your own. This is all part of your spiritual voyage. I was meant to get stabbed all along. I stood up and faced the vision. Really? Yeah, Jack. It's like totally how I intended for it to go. And now that you have your epiphany, I'm going to like send you back or whatever. Oh, and like, don't forget, if you enjoyed your vision, rate me five stars. Or, all right, my guy, time to go home. I shot up, struggling for air and finding none. I was underwater, flailing, bathing in darkness. The world clung to my limbs, pulling me, resisting my motions. I gasped and fell and hit my head, and then... Then my hand touched the sticky concrete floor. The universe stopped spinning, and I regained my bearings. I was back in the supply closet, wrapped up beneath a plastic tarp. I carefully pried it free and sucked in as much air as my lungs could take. My head pounded, my bruises screamed, my left hand was numb all the way to the wrist, but I was alive. Even better, my hallucinogenic night vision was still working. Wait, that's not right. The light was on overhead, which meant someone or something had found the breaker box and turned the power back on in the station. The supply closet was shut and I was all alone. If you don't count the dried up carcasses of a businessman by the door or the oodles of carnivorous green dots crawling in and on and around him, couldn't tell how long I had been in the other place, but something told me I still had time to stop the queen. But if I was going to do that, I would need to open that one box I hoped I'd never open. It was the most desperate measure for sure, but these were the most desperate times. When this whole thing blows over, I'm going to need a long vacation. I climbed up to the top shelf, reached into the corner, and pulled out the small, innocuous shoebox labeled, in tiny print, Code Red's only. Put this back. Whatever is happening, it isn't a code red. I brought it down, carefully set it under the ground in front of me, and opened the lid. Inside was a small box. A fire safe with a combination lock. This is really happening, huh? I'm about to go kill some innocent people and save this sorry town. I entered the combination. Six. Six. Six, and snapped open the lid. The code red box contained exactly two things. A cigarette, and a hand grenade. I took the grenade, and I stuffed it into my hoodie pocket, right inside my... Oh, that's right, my hoodie's still outside. I took the grenade, and I stuffed it into my pant. What? Why don't sweatpants have pockets? I took the grenade and I looked at it. How the hell was I going to transport this thing without the queen seeing it? I couldn't very well hide it in my underwear, even if I wanted to. I didn't have time to let my next idea disgust me into reconsidering. I just bit the bullet. I pried Owen's expensive suit jacket from what remained of his body, slammed it against the wall a couple of times, and put it on. It fit surprisingly well. Um, all things considered... With the grenade stuffed into the inner jacket pocket, 
I went to the closet door and I pulled it open. As I stepped into the hallway, my shoes squished into something that felt like cat litter. It wasn't long before the liquid worked its way through my socks. The floor was completely coated in a blanket of green, several insects thick. The walls were all coated in the same stuff, and the ceiling, and the fixtures. I was walking down a solid green squirming tube into an equally green cave shaped like the front of a gas station. Each step I took, I felt a small footprint that quickly filled itself back in. The mayflies had finally become maycrawlers having reached the stage in their life cycles where their wings fell off. Now they piled together, kicking any surface area that they could find. I could hear the sound of billions of microscopic teeth prying at the wood, slowly devouring, digesting the building from the inside out. As I passed a giant green stalagmite that was once a spinning rack of bad chips, I saw her. She was sitting on a living, wriggling green throne where the gas station counter used to be. She had a smile on her face, the one that it stole from Yen and an aura from the floor to ceiling of powerful, verdant green. I was looking for you, she said in Yen's voice. Where did you go? Sorry. Slipped out of reality for a minute. What did I miss? That's a neat trick. Where in the world would you ever go? Why in the world would you ever come back? Well, I was hoping to save my friends. Have you seen him? As I stood still, an untold number of crawlers climbed up my pant legs. I could feel their weight pulling me down like I was being swallowed by quicksand. They escaped, she said, her aura never wavering. You should have done the same thing. No matter. We could always use more food. I knew she thought she was telling the truth. I also knew Jerry would never leave me behind which meant he also had a plan. Listen, Yen, I know you're in there, she laughed. There's no Yen anymore. I know you can hear me. I wanted to tell you something. I'm, I'm sure you've probably seen it all a million times. When a dog comes into the shelter and there's nothing that can be done for it and it's suffering, what do you do? When you can't treat it and you can't save it and you're out of options. I reached inside the jacket. My fingers curled around the grenade right as the colony of crawlers passed my knees. Look, look, I just want to say that I'm sorry, okay? She laughed. What do you think you can do to hurt me? You're, I'm a god! You're food! Right as my thumb touched the grenade pin, I heard something. At first, I thought it was just another hallucination, but as it grew louder and closer, it seemed even the Yen Queen was beginning to show a little concern. Beep, beep, beep. Beep. What is that? She asked. We realized the answer at the same time. Soon as the garbage truck had backed all the way up to the building and crashed right through the front door, setting chunks of cheap wall and bug spatter all over the place. The shock of the collision freed swaths of bugs from their colonies on the ceiling, and they fell as a single amorphous unit. The impact nearly doubled the size of the bug pit on the floor. It was deep enough to drown in. I released my grip on the grenade and brushed the clumps of bugs off my head and shoulders. The queen jumped to her feet and walked over to the spot on the floor. A circle cleared the way for her, revealing the clean floor underneath and the baseball bat that she was reaching for. With a weapon in hand, she stepped over to the garbage truck. I didn't even think before bending down, scooping up a big handful of maycrawlers and smooshing them in a ball very reminiscent of a snowball. Some of them skittered up my arms, but most of them stayed intact. I lobbed it as hard as I could, and it stuck the queen in the back of the head. She turned around with her mouth open and a very human expression on her face, one that begged the question, Why did you just hit me with a ball of my own children? 
The distraction was enough for her not to notice the sound of hydraulic lifts behind her. And before she could take a step towards me, the gate of the garbage truck had swung open and an avalanche of dead and rotting animal parts and bodies spilled onto her, crushing her. Wet goop spilled across the floor, washing away heaps of crawlers. The wave of blood and viscera hit me just a few moments after the smell, and to be honest, this is also not a job for words. Whatever you imagine the smell being, I swear, it was a lot worse than that. I would have projectile vomited all over the place, but as luck, what have it, there wasn't anything left inside of me. The mountain of death covered almost the entirety of the front wall now, save for a small window at the top of the doorframe. Hardly enough to see through, and certainly not enough to escape from, but I ran for it, all the same. Once I hit the pile of Abrams collections, I started climbing. There were hooves and antlers, more cat faces than a grandma's Facebook page, and an alarming number of limbs that could have at one point belonged to humans. Abram did say that he'd been setting traps, but he didn't say what kind. When I finally reached the top of the pile, I dropped down on top of some ribcage squirming with green bugs and peered out into the opening. Jerry had climbed up the other side to meet me. Hey, bro, he said excitedly. I see you're awake now. How was the other side? You see the spirit guide? Yeah, I think we accidentally killed him. You what? Jerry, where's Lucy? She went around to the back door to rescue you while I caused a distraction. By the way, I learned how to operate a garbage truck. It's super easy. Hey, is that Owen's coat? I turned onto my back and slid down the mountain of gore. No sooner had my feet hit the floor than a hand erupted from below the pile and snagged my sweatpants. I ripped free right as the yen thing pushed her broken body out from the pile. Her arms were bent in places they shouldn't bend. Bones poked out of her skin from the inside. Animal bones poked into her skin from the outside. Her jaw dangled lopsided and her aura burned to the ceiling. Green and angry, her vessel was broken and she only had one spare remaining. Jack! I turned to see the- Jack! I turned to see the last person I wanted to see, and likely the first person the queen wanted to see. Lucy was close enough to grab me. We need to go, now! I turned back, just in time to see the queen millipede erupt from the center of Yen's neck and launch itself forward. Lucy and I scrambled for the back door, but I knew we couldn't let it out. We needed to finish it, right here. Her hand was around my wrist. I bent it, then wrapped my own fingers around her wrist. As soon as we reached the cooler, I pulled her to a stop. She looked back at me with worry in her eyes. I didn't have time to relay the whole plan. I just grabbed the cooler door and pulled, hoping that she'd pick up on it. It scraped open a few inches, but the ground covering green insects made it nearly impossible to move. Worse, the ground cover made it nearly impossible to see where the queen had gone. Lucy grabbed the door with me, and together we pulled our weight and pried the door open just enough to jump inside. Abram's body was still on the floor. I ran to it and freed the fillet knife just in time to hear Lucy scream, Over there! The queen skittered across the wall and into the corner. I lost sight of it almost immediately. A metal shelf crashed against the floor. Then Lucy pulled me towards and then through the cooler door. Once out, she slammed it shut behind us. What happened? I asked. I trapped the thing underneath some boxes. What the fuck is that? You sure? You positive that you trapped it? Yeah, positive. It's still in there. I hate how little time I get for such important decisions. But the bugs under my clothes had started biting, so... Time was up. I made a snap judgment to trust her. Okay. I pulled out the grenade, yanked the pin, reopened the cooler door just enough to toss the weapon inside and then shut it and leaned my back against the door. Was that? She pointed at the door with horror. Yeah. 
Her hands gripped me by either side of my collar and she pulled me away from the door and flung me hard into the pile of bugs on the other side of the store. Before I could get up, she landed on top of me and a second later, the ringing in my ears never really went away. But after a few seconds, the cloud of green dust had finally settled and I could see that the cooler door had been blown clear off its hinges. If Lucy hadn't thrown me out of the way... Damn! Movies do not do grenade blasts justice! We sat up and tried to catch our breaths. Lucy got to her feet first, coughing violently. I found where the fillet knife had landed a couple feet away, grabbed it, and slowly worked my way up. Lucy leaned against the counter. Her breathing was loud and fast. This whole thing had been a sprint speed, marathon length. And now was the time we finally got to rest. Her head was down, her back to me. She couldn't see the knife in my hand, just like... It's like I didn't get to see the queen trapped under the box. The spirit vision may have been an idiot. But it was also right. There was only one way to make sure the queen was dead. And stayed dead. There was only one way. Lucy wouldn't see it coming. She wouldn't feel a thing. Considering how everyone else had died tonight, that's really not such a bad way to go. Would we all be so lucky? I was sitting outside in a circle of salt. Jerry figured out about an hour too late that crawlers absolutely hate salt. Something to remember next time, I guess when the first helicopter landed on the street outside of the parking lot. It expelled its contents before it even finished landing. Three guys with machine guns, a gas mask, a couple in white hazmat suits, and gas masks. And a familiar G-man in a black suit and tie. No gas mask on this one, just a pair of completely pointless sunglasses. The Fed shouted out orders to the others as they closed in on our building, but froze mid-sentence once he saw me. Jack, he said. I don't believe it. I don't freaking believe it. You're still alive? Jesus. I just lost 50 bucks. Hey there, Agent Roscoe. Well, I'll just be a monkey's uncle. Wonders never cease. Well, I'll just be a monkey's uncle. Wonders never cease. You're a little late to the party. Where's your partner? You know your gas station isn't the only locale of interest on a night like this, right? He took off his sunglasses, and I swear he was wearing another pair of sunglasses underneath them. Or maybe the drugs were still messing with me. It's hard to say. He looked at the teetering remains of the gas station and said, Well, you want to start telling us what happened? Over the next hour, I gave my statement. More choppers landed, more men in gas masks arrived, cleaned up the damage to Mayfly debris, and some brooms, snow shovels, and devices that looked an awful lot like proton packs. A few of them left the gas station, carrying kernels with pissed-off raccoons scratching away at the walls from the inside. One of the men interrupted my story to inform Agent Roscoe that they'd captured all three raccoons. The agent dismissed this news much more easily than I would have expected. All right, all right, I've heard enough, he said to me. Here's how this is going to play. You got hit by terrorists. Wait, scratch that. We already did terrorists this week. Um, I'd say gang activity. A local gang broke in, did some Halloween vandalism, that sort of thing. It's an epidemic, you know. They've been going up and down the interstate looking for gas stations off the beaten path to tear up. 
What about all the bodies? I asked. We'll figure that out later. Jesus, Jack, my night is just getting started. This is like my Monday morning. Get off my back. He looked over my shoulder and lowered his voice. I know you can keep a secret, but what about this one? Behind me, Jerry was cleaning off his katana by rubbing it in the grass. I wouldn't worry about him. He's... He's what you might call an unreliable witness. Roscoe nodded, then suddenly pointed at the young woman in the fox makeup, talking to an agent about ten feet away. What about her? She's new. Is she going to be a problem? I shook my head. No. She knows the deal already. He grinned. I want to let you in on a little secret, just between you and me. When I first started doing this job, I thought that I had a pretty finely tuned moral compass. But after a few mercy killings and real-world trolley problems, I started to realize something. The right choice and the moral choice aren't always the same thing. It's possible to do the right thing for the wrong reason. Or the wrong thing for the right reason. You can be forgiven for little mistakes. Even if they cause a lot of people to die. Gruesome deaths. Thanks? I said. Uncertainly. And Jack, forgive me for asking, but you are certain you saw the Queen die, right? Am I really that bad at lying, or do I just constantly encounter people with bullshit detectors set to 11? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. He laughed. Well, uh, I guess we'll find out in five years, huh? He raised his voice and called out to the others. All right, double time it. Wheels up in 30 minutes. Gotta leave time for the cleanup crew. A few minutes after the cleanup crew arrived, Jerry and Lucy approached me. Hey, man, Jerry said. We're about to go back to my place and do, like, all the drugs. You wanna come? Before I could answer, my eyes caught something standing in the tree line across the parking lot. Something watching us with two shining red eyes. He was a raccoon. See, I know it could have been nothing more than the remnants of Jerry's tea-playing tricks on me, but... But I could have sworn that this raccoon had an aura. One that was ten feet tall. Glowing green. And angry. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.